0: Good morning, Good Shepherd. I am Talbot Davis, the pastor here, and want to welcome you if you're worshiping uh, live at at the Moss Campus or live stream on one of our uh, broadcast platforms. However you're connecting, I'm really glad that you are here. And this is the last Sunday of this series called Influencers where we've been talking about how is it that people who name the name of Jesus or are connected to church in any way can have influence in our world and in our community but not just over trends and fads and products but influence over things that really last forever. And today's message takes the series with, with a little bit of a twist, kind of a different direction. It's called Under the Influence and it comes from it comes from the book of 1 Peter, the letter of 1 Peter chapter 5. So if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to locate 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-5. through 5. And, and some of you may have a Bible that looks like this, and others of you have a Bible loaded on your phone. However you find it, we're just really glad when you find it. If, you, if your Bible's not on your phone, you didn't bring a Bible here, it's okay. The words are going to be up on the screen like they are every week, just when they need to be up on the screen. All that, all are encouraging you to have a scripture, making sure that you can see it. All that is because we believe a couple of things about the the Bible that you may not know or may not have heard of. And one of the things that we believe is that although this looks like a book, not a book, it's a library, a collection of a lot of books divided into many different sections. And when we're in the, the letter of 1 Peter, it's the section of the library that's actually devoted to correspondence. There's a whole portion of the biblical library that is just chock full of letters. And 1 Peter is is part of that section. And that's a fact. A lot of people don't know it uh, or have forgotten it, but we remind ourselves about it. The other thing that we believe about the biblical library is, uh, and you may still be wrestling with it, we just want you to know where we stand in leadership. That we believe there's no other library like it on earth that God breathed his life into its words and he put his truth onto its pages. The Bible really is inspired, which means God breathed, inspired, eternal, and true. And because we have those beliefs in leadership here, we do something when we're talking about the Bible at Good Shepherd. And Some of you beat me to the punch like you always do. We, we lift it up. And if you're new here, you haven't been here, haven't tuned in before, and you're, you're like, that just looks kind of odd to have all those Bibles up in the air. We admit it. We we don't try to hide it. It is odd. But we've discovered this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community. We're a collection of people surrendered to the authority of the word, ready for its power to be let loose in our lives. Amen. And uh, every Sunday before I give a message, I I, I offer a prayer today. The prayer is going to be a little bit different. We're going to have kind of a for an informal church, a formal prayer. It's called a prayer for illumination and it's up on the screen and we're gonna pray it out loud by reading it together. And just in case you get all worried, can I, if I read it, is it really a prayer? Yes, that's what the whole book of Psalms is. So let's have this prayer for illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, That is, the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you have to say to us today. Amen and amen. Well, you know what is great about living in the USA on the 4th of July. Could you all know it's July 4th, correct? What is great about living in the, in the USA on the 4th of July, 2021, it's this, that everyone knows how to do everyone else's job better than the people who actually have them. Isn't that awesome? Everyone knows how to do everyone else's job better than the people who actually have those jobs. I credit the the internet, really, with this just incredible knack we now have, all the self-declared knowledge that we have, all the know-it-alls, who surround us, all the, all the ways that we have become primo second guessers, A1 backseat drivers in the US in the year 2021. Everyone knows how to do everyone else's job better than the people who actually have the, think about it. You, you probably think you could be a better president than the ones we've had recently. Maybe more energy than the one we have now. And, maybe more tact than the one we had before? You think you could probably be better teachers than the ones who are educating your children? You think you could be a better manager than the one who is managing you? We think we could be better supply chain, logistics professionals than the ones who rolled out the vaccine. We, we, we think we could be better epidemiologists than all the epidemiologists and because we're all experts on coronavirus now, are we not? We, we, we think we could be better football coaches. We think we could be better weather forecasters. We think we could be better, better preachers, yes. Thank you, thank you, yes. I will see you next week because you have to leave now. Yeah, we. everyone thinks they could do everyone else's job better than the people who actually have them. And, and I believe that with just this rash of know-it-alls all around our land, we have the internet to thank for it and we have the 4th of July to celebrate it. And when you think about it, and of all the people in the, in the history of, of earth, actually, not just our land, which, you know, earth and human race is a lot older than our land, but of all the people in the history of earth who, who would have been excused for being a know-it-all, I would say Peter is at the top of the list. Some of you know who Peter is and others of you are not really sure. Either way, that's okay. But, but just if you know anything about Peter's resume at all, just think of all the ways that he could have considered himself a know-it-all. I mean, he was inner circle because he was not just one of the 12 but he was one of the three that was part of the 12. So he was like inner circle of inner circle. Oh, 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 and whose inner circle was he inner circle? Just Jesus's, just the son of God taking on flesh on planet earth, bursting through death and coming out on the other side as the resurrected king, just Jesus. And, and, and Jesus is the one who, even though Peter had blown it on more than one occasion, Jesus still restored him to leadership. So of all people, given what he'd seen, given what, what he had a front row seat to seeing, of all people who'd ever lived, Peter would have been well forgiven, completely understood if he had insisted that he knew about everything better than you knew about anything. And given the fact that Peter could have been that kind of guy, and he could have written that kind of letter, the turn that the inspired letter of 1 Peter takes at chapter 5 is absolutely stunning and really kind of beautiful when you think about it. Because look how this section and and, and 1 Peter, Peter, by the way, there is a second Peter and and this is free Bible trivia for you. Anytime there's a second anything in, in scripture, that means the first one didn't work. And and so there is a second Peter, but Peter's letters are what we would call general letters. And this is in contrast to Paul's letters. Some of you may know this. Paul had letters with with books in the Bible, you may have heard of with names like Romans and Corinthians and Philippians. Those were specific letters to specific churches made up of specific people dealing with very specific issues. Peter's letter is different. It's, It's a general letter and it's written to church leadership all across the fruited plain, really or across the Mediterranean world. in in Peter's case. And so as he's in this letter, giving all of this advice and wisdom to church leadership around the world, look at what he says in this turn in his letter, chapter 5, verse 1. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. So to, to all you Elders in the church, church leaders, I appeal as I I am one of you. You know what Peter could have said? He could have said, hey, buddy, I saw resurrected Jesus in all his glory, top that. Or, or he could have said, I'm the one that Jesus appointed to be leader of leaders. You dig? Or he could have said, hey gang, this document that you're holding in your hands if you're reading it, or that's being read to you if you're listening to it, that's how they heard the letters in, in ancient times. This document, it is one day gonna be in this amazing thing that you don't even know about, but it's called the Bible. And in 2000 years, people are gonna lift it up in the air because they're gonna regard it as God's word. So what you have in your hand, is really history in the making, so pay attention to everything that I'm saying. I mean, if it had been me, I would have said all of that and more. Except I think Peter may have some greater emotional maturity and greater spiritual depth than I do. Can I hear an amen for that? Come on, you're ready to have another preacher, so... (laughs) So Peter instead starts out I'm I am one of you I have position. I had proximity. I have power. But I'm putting all of that aside. I am one of you. And what does he say next in the rest of verse 1? A witness of Christ's sufferings and who also will share in the glory to be revealed. I've seen it. I'm going to share it. Just one more example of how it is that Peter could have added on, could have piled on to his authority and for the reason that people should have lived. One more way he could have been a know-it-all and he resists all of it. And then he goes, he he gets very specific and, and particular in his instructions in verses two through four. Take a look and see what he says next. This is kind of, he's writing to pastors be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must but because you're willing as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, that's a reference to Jesus, when he appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. I, I just love this. Again, he, he's, he's writing to pastors. He's encouraging other leaders and his, his instructions. What, what, he, what he could have said, What you would hear if you went to a preacher's conference these days would be like, ah, see if you can get a book deal. Start yourself a podcast. Grow your brand. All of that is what you'd hear today. None of that is what we read in scriptures. Be shepherds of the flock. Be among and within. Don't be a celebrity preacher. Be your church's pastor. And all that is just sort of the the runway. And verse 5 is really the takeoff. Because look at what he says in the first part of of verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. elders. Ah, huh. so he started out addressing elders and now he turns and he's addressing all you whippersnappers. And, and what does he say to all the whippersnappers? Submit yourselves to the very ones to whom you give the eye roll. Come on, young people in the house, you know. <laughs> Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, pastors, you give, you give them an eye roll. And Peter said, no, 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 no. The the very ones that you think should step aside so that a new generation of leaders can take their place? No, no, no. Submit yourselves to your elders in the faith, Peter is saying. So counterculture, so counterintuitive to the very people who want to dismiss experience and who want to dismiss wisdom. Peter says, no, value it, treasure it. The rest of verse one, he says this, all of you Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Clothe yourselves with. And that's so comprehensive. Because humility here, when he says clothe yourselves with it, humility's not an accessory. It's the whole ensemble. It's not, it's not an add-on, it's the outfit. <laughs> humility's not a fashion statement, it's fashion itself. And Why? Why? Have this comprehensive kind of humility. And then Peter reaches back into the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 34, and, and he places it in his letter. He retweets it into the body of his letter. And, and here's his reason for encouraging humility. Why? Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. God opposes the, oh my goodness. It's like paddling upstream against the current. It's like going for a run in the middle of a hurricane. It's impossible. God sets himself up, not you're in opposition to God. He, when we adopt this posture of pride, of know it allness, of can't tell me nothingness, God actively opposes, God opposes the proud. And when you step back and when you think about the implications for our individual lives and the implication for us as a land, it's actually quite stunning and it's really kind of frightening because we've just realized we, we live in a land full of second guessers We're in a land populated by know-it-alls. Some of you live with know-it-alls and some of you are married to know-it-alls and some of you work with know-it-alls and if you're looking around, you're like, I don't know anybody like that. It's because you're the (laughs) know-it-all. So we're in this kind of land and God says that's exactly the kind of people, those are exactly the kind of attitudes that I actively oppose. And when you realize that, you think that might explain some of the difficulties that we have on the 4th of July, 2021. Can I hear an amen for that? And And Peter, his strategy is so different. He keeps piling on all these these exhortations, these commands, these examples, these observations, all all towards humility. It's not just an accessory, it's the whole outfit. But I have to let you know, this puts me as pastor in a very dicey, difficult situation. And and I'll tell you why. Because when a preacher stands up and says, be more humble, y'all, it never works. I mean, that's so shrill. It's so patronizing. And even if I were able to craft some kind of roadmap to humility, and you were able to follow it, and you had a really good week of being humble because I gave you this roadmap of being humble, you'd come up to me next Sunday, and you'd say, Talbot, I was so humble this week. And yeah, thank you for getting it. Yeah, that doesn't work either. And so there's this difficult situation. How do you, how do you teach on humility without being patronizing? How do, you, how do you avoid making people look at humility as some kind of goal to accomplish, which by definition is unhumble? And yet the pattern remains. Peter said, "Clothe yourselves with humility." Peter has said, "God opposes the proud." Peter has observed that when you live, when you are a know-it-all and you're living among know-it-alls, man, you're in, in, in a very difficult situation. People have said, sub, Peter has said, "Submit to your elders." Those of you who don't want to, and I really believe that it gets to posture. That Peter who could talk about all the influence he has as a way of leveraging to gain more influence, he instead willingly places himself under the influence. That that Peter, when he says talks to the elders and when he talks to those whippersnappers, he's asking really, who are you putting yourselves under whose influence are you willingly, consistently placing yourselves? And here's where it lands all of us as as we wind up the influencer series and as we celebrate the 4th of July. Here's what I want you to know. It's a lot better to be a learn-it-all than to be a know-it-all. Yeah, you and I can avoid living into the trauma and the horror that is 1 Peter 5, 5. God opposes the proud. I don't want to be opposed by God because guess what? You will lose. Every time you're opposed by God, he wins. You lose. I I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be in that position. It's better to be a learn it all than a know it all. In the middle of, of a country full of primo second guessers, where everybody can do everybody else's job better than the people who really have them—so much better—to be a learn-it-all than a know-it-all. It's so much like what happened this past spring. I was doing premarital counseling with a a woman and her fiance and. And the, the, the woman in, in, in the couple, she was 41. So She had, had, a, had lived a, a life of some accomplishment and some experience and she was smart and she was funny and, and she had everything together. I mean, her husband really married well and, and all these things that, that she had going on. And yet she was the one in the premarital counseling, she had her notebook and she had a pen. And when I'd say something, she'd go, oh, that's so good. We need that. I'd say something else. Hey, the sky is blue. Oh, that's so good. I never knew that before. Got to write that down. And and, uh, I mean, every, every just marginal bit of wisdom that I had about marriage and about faith. Oh, that's good. We need that. We need that. Got to write that down. Remember that. Let's do that. This is someone who is already sharp, getting sharper. Because isn't it true, Good Shepherd, that the people who are already the most mature, they are the ones who are at the same time the most eager to learn more? And when you realize that, oh yeah, it's the mature ones who are always learning more and gaining your knowledge. You think maybe that's how they got mature in the first place. It's better to be a learn it all than a know it all. Or it's like the question that they ask that conductor, very famous orchestra, and they ask the conductor, what's the most difficult instrument to play? Without missing a beat, he says, second fiddle. Of course it is. Because it's better to be a learn-it-all than to know-it-all. Or maybe it's a little bit like what's happened to, to me, just over the last several months. I mean, I got a pretty heavy dose of know-it-all. And don't amen that, please, I know it already. I got a heavy, heavy dose of, of know-it-all in me. And, and but, but I've learned some things over the last number of months that have helped me to appreciate how this justifiably joyful celebration that we have on the 4th of July could be looked at by some of my friends with kind of some more mixed emotions, some mixed feelings and and kind of a muted celebration for some of the people I would call friends. Like, did you know? Because I didn't know. Did you know that the White House was built largely by slave labor? I didn't know. I just assumed the White House was always there you know, just a, like, where does, where, where does your food come from? Doesn't it come from the grocery store? No, it's, it's got some steps before it gets to your grocery store. And in the same way, the White House was not always there. It was built by owned people. Owned people who built it not out of choice and not for compensation, but by force. And because they had to. Didn't know that. Or even that phrase that we justifiably celebrate today, all men are created equal. Did you know that the writers of that very line, they regarded their slaves as not men, much less not equal. Well, yeah, all men are equal, but my slaves are not men. And so when you realize that, when you learn that, you're able to sit back and, yeah, Fourth of July is a great thing and we want to celebrate. We have so much to be grateful for. But now I understand because in just this instance, I was a little more more of a learn-it-all than a know-it-all. I know why some of my friends might have a few more mixed emotions towards this particular holiday. That's what it's like. It's better. It's better to be a learn-it-all than a know-it-all. And if you're one of those people and you got really strong Opinions You you got a lot of confidence Just be wary for the ways that your confidence can become toxic Be aware of, of The danger of mistaking the strength of your opinion for the depth of your insight They're not the same Just because you believe something very strongly does not mean you understand that same thing very accurately. And sometimes there may be people in your family or there may be people where you work or there may be people in your church and and they agree with you, not because they really agree with you, they just don't wanna argue with you. You may be one of those kind of people. You may be married to one of those kind of people. And if you're one of those folks, you're one of those folks in getting behind a keyboard gives you more confidence than you would ever have face-to-face. What a great day to realize that about yourself, that you allow the internet to give you a fake courage that you don't have in real life. And then the result is you're actually kind of an internet bully, which is why my favorite pie chart In human history, is this one we're gonna put up on the screen for you? (laughs) Outcome of political arguments on Facebook. Everything that is in green is you change your mind. Everything that is in blue, you see all that's in blue up there, they change their mind because of what you said on Facebook. And everything that's in orange, no one changes anything and everyone's not happy. (laughs) Before you're tempted to post something, pause. Before you tweet, rest. Before you comment, calm. It's better. Better to be a learn-it-all than a know-it-all. And maybe, maybe the question I need to ask all of us to consider in these moments, do you, in 2021, do you act like an expert on things that you actually don't know anything about? See, I just want the the teachable spirit of the people of Good Shepherd to increase. You all are marvelously teachable on Sunday mornings. I love it, love it, love it, love it. But I I want that teachable spirit to be manifest in your groups and on your teams. And I want the ranks of of know-it-alls to diminish and I want the ranks of learn-it-alls to increase because mark my words again, the people who are already the most mature, they're the ones who want to keep learning and I want those kind of people with that kind of character trait to keep increasing and I love it when it breaks through. I love seeing it. I got a note from a a, a good shepherd friend a couple of months ago and I, I want to share it with you. Cause here's what he had to say. I wanted to drop you a note. See, I got a note from someone, a note of encouragement and how joining the community of word before world. Every morning, Monday through Friday before 7am, there's reading prompts in, in many hundreds of people's emails and on Facebook. And the concept is you start your day in the word rather than in the world has changed my life over the last few months. My story is very similar to the one you often describe. I would start reading my newsfeed and then quickly transition into checking emails and getting my workday started. By 7.30 each morning, I was consumed by the world. And at the end of my day, I would check in with God and give him what I had left, which wasn't much. Sad looking back on it. What a difference now. I start my day focused on God and ready to learn from his word, giving God my first minutes of the day when my battery is fully charged. My prayer life has gone from checking in to change my life and lead me. Here's an example from yesterday. I tested positive for COVID on February 27th. I was lucky with only mild symptoms, including losing my sense of smell and taste, something I don't consider mild. Then last Saturday, I woke up with hives covering my body and my lips swelling. After a trip to urgent care and getting a steroid shot, I assumed things would be better, not so fast. I had the same issue the next four mornings, two of the mornings, I ended up in the ER to receive treatment and the other mornings I was able to fight off the hives with medication. I was getting concerned, how much longer was this going to last? After a frantic day of battling hives and trying to work, I found myself alone in my house, which is unusual. With my hives disrupting my new routine of starting in the Word, I decided to read through the prompts from yesterday. This is back in March from Matthew chapter seven. Wow, I couldn't believe the timing for me. I had been battling COVID and hives and not once did I pray for healing. Why not? I immediately lifted up my situation to God with a smile, because that was part of the promise, with a smile. And this morning I woke up hive free. What a relief. What a lesson for me. How awesome is our God that he delights in answering our prayers. Yes, praise the Lord is right, and he is that awesome. And I want the, the ranks of those kind of folks learning it all to far outweigh those who think they know it all. Let's pray. So Father, I ask that you would just make the people of Good Shepherd so remarkably teachable not just on the 4th of July, but on the 4th of August and September and the rest of our days. For in your name we pray these things. Amen.